Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life. And man, what a task that is for today's episode in light of this past week's worth of events. And we recognize that um, what we're getting ready to wade into is a saturated conversation. Um, And we're not going to say anything new or novel here. Um, However, we think it's good that it's a saturated conversation. We think these things need to be talked about and they need to be addressed. And so we hope and we pray that the things that we talk about in this episode would encourage um, you, would encourage us to live faithfully in light of the gospel. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Simple Theology Podcast. My name is Robert Kane. And I'm Rick Grumlick. We are glad that you guys are here with us uh, today. Yeah, yeah. Um, weighty topic. Yeah. A lot mm-hmm. of stuff going on. Uh, listeners I could already tell that this podcast episode is probably going to be a little bit more sober um, than some of yeah. the other ones that we have done in the past. But before we jump headlong into recent events, Rick, how are you doing? How's your wife? She is scheduled to deliver a baby this week. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were her due date was um June first. We as of this recording have passed June first. In a couple of days we will be doing uh, a C section. So we're just really excited to be, be able to get this little boy out and be able to hold him and um, welcome him to uh, 2020. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Welcome to, to the world. No, but like in, in light of um, COVID-19 and um, just George Floyd's murder and different things going on, it's it's a reminder, a sobering reminder of life and yeah. um, why we want to see things change, why we need to strive um, as Christians, but also as humans, to for for people's um, for their rights and just to see people flourish. Yeah. So, so she, I'm doing well. Um, my wife is doing as well as she could be expected to be doing. She's able to. She's moving around stuff, but very uncomfortable. Um, I think everything, all the like little nesting projects, all the little things around the house are done. Um, we're just waiting. And you know, like you know how it is. If you've had kids, the last, I mean, the last, uh, like month, yeah, is just every day. You're like, so oh, it's today. Is it today? Yeah. I was talking to a friend this morning who his wife just had their second boy like seven weeks ago, and um, I, I was like, so how has it been? And he's like, you'll see. <laughs> he's like, you'll see. And he didn't mean that. He didn't mean that. Like, like it's rough, man. Like it's terrible. You never. He just meant like it's a, it's an adjustment. Just like with your first kid, the thing about it that I'm expecting to be different is that with the first kid, it's all new. With the second one, you kind of know what to expect, but now you also have another little child, for yeah. most people anyway. But yeah, we're we're doing well, all things considered. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, no, that's great. So, um, listeners are well aware. Um, you're well aware um, that the past week 
has been a wild one. Passed really mm-hmm. week in a day. So um, George Floyd, um, I believe it was last last Monday. Am I correct in saying that? Um, yes, I believe so. A week ago. Yeah, it was Yester- what May yesterday. May twenty fifth. Yeah. So um, George Floyd. For those of you who are unaware, <clears throat> which if you're if you're not aware, then um, you need to like come out of the cave. Um, but for those of you who are not aware, George Floyd, a man, an African American man in Minneapolis, he went into um, a store that he uh, frequented, a store called Cup Foods, and um, paid for, I think it was cigarettes, I'm not sure, totally sure, but but he paid for whatever yeah. he got with a $20 bill, looked like that $20 bill, according to the clerk, um, they thought it was fake, so uh, they ended up calling the police, police came, um, put George Floyd in cuffs, put him on the ground, um, one of the officers put his knee, the officer Derek Chauvin put his knee in George Floyd's neck. This whole interaction um, of George Floyd being on the ground lasted uh, around, I think it's eight minutes and 46 seconds. And George Floyd, from what I read, he lost consciousness around six minutes. He Before that, he kept saying he couldn't breathe, he couldn't breathe. And it wasn't until um, past eight minutes. And some places I read, he said he lost consciousness at four minutes and wasn't until eight minutes. If we're being conservative, he lost consciousness at six minutes. And the officers didn't Mm -hmm. take his knee off of his neck until eight minutes and 46 seconds. So an additional nearly three minutes minimum um, of him pressing on his neck. Ambulance shows up. um, George Floyd's unresponsive. And he's later announced that, that he's dead. Autopsy has shown that that instance was, in fact, uh, what led to his death. So, uh, over the past week, there have been massive bursts of outrage mm-hmm. across the country, rightfully so. And um, people are protesting, many are protesting peacefully, most are protesting peacefully. Some have mm-hmm. gone into uh, a rioting frenzy. Some have began or begun looting. And basically, we are in a place, if I can, I mean, as 27, 28-year-old white male, if I can say this, we're in a place that our country hasn't seen, or at least hasn't seen for a very long time. The, the kind of response like this that quickly. And, and it's not just, so if I say quickly, some people are going to be like, no, this has been going on for years. And yes, I, I want to be very sensitive to that. I'm not trying to say that this is um, quick in that respect. I'm saying it's quick in regard to this instance with George Floyd, how quickly people responded to protesting, things like that. And so um, we just wanted to talk about it a little bit. We're not necessarily coming at this with a doctrine. Um, I think various doctrines are going to play into it, but we wanted to talk a little bit about it, um, mm-hmm. what the situation was, what we can do, how we can respond in a helpful way. And um, we're certainly not the final authority on this, so we're just trying to be an added voice into an already saturated conversation, but I think it's a conversation worth having. So mm-hmm. um, for better or worse, show us grace, and here goes this conversation. 
Was that was that the intro? No, that that was not. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was way more than forty six seconds or forty three seconds. Um, it was supposed to be. I think that as we as Rob you you mentioned that you know we're we're trying we're adding commentary to something that has um, at this point more commentary than anything else going on current current event wise and understanding that we're trying to be gracious and um, not fearful and not timid but cautious. So I, I want to make that correction. Like we're, we're we want to be loving, and something that that people. Um, so Rob and I both come from the same town for the most part. Rob grew up in several cities, but spent his most formidable years in Mount Vernon, yeah. small rural town of sixteen or seventeen thousand people, ninety eight percent white, I believe. Yeah. Um, and he now lives in, in Westerville, which is a suburb of Columbus. And, um. But for us, like we're we are we're we're white guys trying to give commentary to a situation that is somewhat distant from us. However, that doesn't mean we can't speak on it. it doesn't mean we don't have thoughts on it, and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have thoughts on it if you're also white and somewhat separated from the issue. You should have thoughts. You need to be having dialogue about what's going on. Um, that should be spurring a conversation with you and your friends, your family. Um, that's how that's how things begin to change and how we grow as individuals and we understand situations. Having said that, um, we believe that Scripture addresses uh, this not directly but indirectly because it deals with the human heart. It deals with injustice. Um, these are the bedrock of the gospel: is that God is He is just, right, and He will make all things right again. But humans are are broken, yeah, and they're wicked, and they're 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 um, there's evil in man's heart, and you see that being kind of uh, you see that being displayed with the brutality of of police at times, with um, the looting and the destruction of uh, civil society at, at times, and so we're trying to be clear and and. Um, helpful in our in our dialogue having said that there's a, a lot has transpired in the last you know week right so before yeah. the the riots happened you know that with george floyd's death and Maude aubrey's death uh, a few weeks or, well his death was in february but coming to light in the video and all those things happening yep. that that has simply just resurfaced that conversation that's been going on um f for for years but really for centuries right the, the injustices yeah. In our in our culture in our society, so as believers, of people who hold to justice, not as an idea that it's good for society, but that there is a just creator, right? There is a a divine source of justice. We should cling to to the ideas and the principles of justice more so than than anyone, and so we should be vigilant and and um, seeking to root out injustices wherever we wherever we find them. Yeah. So. Um... Everything you said there is really good, but well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there have been some people who have pointed this out, and some have said, like, man, it just seems like racism is getting worse. Like the tensions are getting higher. I think the tensions are getting higher, but I, mm -hmm. someone else pointed out, and I can't attribute who this quote was by, but they they said that racism isn't getting worse; it's just getting filmed. Like people have yeah. a camera on right. them in their pocket all the time, and so now some of these things that previously weren't happening, they can be recorded and be posted mm -hmm. publicly within a matter of seconds. And so right. some of the things, and, and you would think 
because uh, just thinking through like that scenario, you would think that with the with how how um, heightened the tensions have been, especially after the Ahmad Arbery situation, right, right, which was also just horrendous. Mm-hmm. You would think that um, this individual and and something that we want to point out is that just in the same way that African Americans can't be pointed at as um, criminals or um, um, high risk or something like that because of the color of their skin. We don't want to necessarily say that just because you're a cop means you're violent. Like, right, it, of same principle on both sides there. But you, right, you, that's that's justice. Right? Yeah, exactly. Before. But you would think that that this this cop Derek Chauvin, after having the guy on the ground and two people holding him down, Derek Chauvin putting his knee in him. Once people are pulling out phones and multiple people are recording you. You would yeah. think that you'd be like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, stop this. I can see where this is going." Like you know about the tensions, you know about what's going, and and cops have, I mean, arguably the most stressful job. I mean, they their lives are literally on the line every day. So by by no means do I want to act like I could do his job better than him. That's not at all what I'm trying to say. But you would mm-hmm. think that even with all of that. Um, once, once multiple people are yelling at you, telling you to get off of him, once phones start coming out and start recording, um, you would think that, that there would have been something to get him to, to pop up. And there were also like, Mm -hmm. I saw one, one source say that there were 18 complaints against this cop. I saw another one that said 12, but either way there were double digit complaints against this cop. Like he's had some, some issues, but all that to say, um, Rick. When it comes to stuff like this that we see, so the Ahmaud Arbery case, mm-hmm. the case um, here with George Floyd, and those are just two of, of several throughout the years, but what is it about these things? Like what, we, we as a society are outraged at racism, rightfully so, but why? Like why, why do we in our deepest sense look at racism and say that's wrong? Yeah, so, um, and, and it's because we believe all humans are created in God's image. We are all image bearers of creator God. So as believers, right, we we should value all life as sacred. And you hear this, right? All life is sacred from the womb, you know, to the grave. And, and it's really important, I think, that churches and Christians are consistent with this. So an inconsistency would be people who are massively pro-life, right? But they don't, you don't see them fighting for the injustices of African-Americans or of minorities. Mm-hmm. Um, or people who, who, are, who are very much fighting for the, the racial injustice, but they, they really don't have strong convictions on, on the abortion issue. Yeah. Right? So it goes both ways. There, and, there has to just, and there's this idea that if, if we really believe that we are um, in the Imago Dei, that we are created, we're image bearers of God, then we need to be consistent with that. But to this conversation about racial injustice, um, even more so, because you can people look at um, people, and you can see there's there's some physical differences, right, based on you know ancestors and, and where people have lived in different parts of the, of the earth, right. But that's still created in God's image, yeah. and you you cannot simply say, "Well, 
yeah, I mean, God's image is, is like just like me. Well, there's similarities there, but you're an image bearer of God. Um, if you don't believe that, if you say, well, we're not image bearers of God or I don't believe um, in God, then where where does this intrinsic value of human life come from? Well, it just, you don't have it anymore. It's just based on what society says. This is why a couple hundred years ago, a society could say, oh, well, we believe that a black person is uh, two-thirds of a human, of a, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, what? Now, they, they were claiming, they had claimed to, to believe that all men were created equal, but they didn't then believe these people were were uh, of equal value. And so as soon as you let go of, of the true doctrine of the Imago Dei, not a twisted version, a true doctrine, you're left with whatever society says. Yeah. Right? And so that, that might be okay for a time, but it will not stand. Yeah. And, and it, just, it doesn't last. Imago Dei just being a Latin term. I believe it's a Latin term, right? Yeah. I believe, um, meaning, meaning the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so when Rick says that, that's, that's what he's getting at. And so, yeah, like we as a people, that's a really good apologetic that you pointed out, Rick, that the reason that we can, that we in our deepest sense know that racism was wrong is because in our deepest sense, us being made in the image of God, we know that other image bearers have value. They have dignity. They have worth. They are um, due respect. And when that is violated against, we sense like there's something wrong here in the same way that we sense that murder is wrong. Like we come to that conclusion and we make laws about it, but we knew it was wrong before the a law was made by us right. to say as a society, this is wrong. Like we knew it was wrong because God imprinted that law in our hearts, his law. Right. And so we know that to take the life of someone who bears the image of God is a, is a wicked thing. And so, but, but there's a sense where Rick, and I really like how you made the, the connection there, that it would be inconsistent for us to be um, very big on um, pro-life. Like we, we want to end abortion because we value life, but then say, we're not going to dive into the injustices and the racism that is going on with these lives over here. Like yeah. we as... As Christians, we want what Jesus called us to, life and life abundantly. And we know that ultimately that's only found in Christ. And so when we see injustices being taken place against an an image bearer that bears the image of God, we sense that that is wrong. And so now you have people who are protesting and, and us, again, like whatever credibility we even have in this conversation as to um what white male heterosexual christian men right. like we're we are um like we're, we're just coming to this and trying to point out that it would in fact be inconsistent to to be one of those things without being the other now all of those are rooted in uh, a christian worldview whether we embrace that or not so christians recognize it because they christians would say yeah this we see this in scripture um so mm-hmm. therefore we believe it now those who are in society they may not they may not embrace that worldview but they're borrowing from it right and so right. And so rick we as people who are like pointing out to these things like what, what i was getting ready to say earlier is that 
we are pointing out some of the cultural things that are going on. And we mm -hmm. as two middle-aged white men have not felt the, the need to go out and protest for our rights. Like we, we, yeah, it, we haven't needed to. Yeah, like Correct. we haven't been forced to, to mm -hmm. the point where we feel like our voices are not being heard. So therefore, we're going to go to the streets, we're going to have signs. And then, there, I mean, even the people, and I'm not condoning the looting, I'm not condoning the rioting. In fact, I think that's... And, what, I, and I, would, I would even say those are separate things. They Protesting totally are. and rioting are two separate things. And, totally. And they look similar when you're looking at your, you know, your Fox News or your CNN or MSNBC. It all looks the same in some ways, but it's two very different things. So yeah, and that needs, um, that does need to be said because yeah. to, to put them all under the same umbrella would not be fair to those who are peacefully protesting. Right. I mean, they have the right to to protest and they have the right to have their voices heard, but um, the the people who are now going out and just trying to destroy things and trying to steal, I mean, th those are sinful, wicked things. So yeah. I'm pointing that out, but. But we've been fortunate, like we can't just yes. point the finger and just say like, hey, you're wrong in doing that. Um, even though it would be right to say that, we, like we are in a fortunate position because we've never come to the point in our lives where we feel like we have to go out and do those things to be heard. We've just as, like I said earlier. Protesting. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so we long, as a people, we long for justice, but... But Rick, why don't you get to like the deeper reason as to why we we long for justice? Yeah. So um, as I said uh, earlier in the episode, God is just, right? He is the the source of um, justice, right? So we know in Romans thirteen, Hebrews thirteen gives us some criteria for. Uh, God's design for the institution of government. We see this also in First Peter. Um, this is one of God's institutions is government for one of the means, or one of the reasons is for justice, that justice would be carried out. Um, but similarly to the attribute of love, God is love. God is just, right? So our heart for justice, our um, desire to see, um, our longing to see justice brought about is because our creator is just and we know right, we know that there are inconsistencies things that have people have been wronged um and so we want to see the we want to see those things brought forth and justice to be executed the the difficulty though is do we is we don't always get to see, we don't always get to see that actually rarely do we get to see that and that's been true throughout human history uh, you could you could actually say it's only in recent years um, that with this idea of a justice a judicial system that's relatively uh, fair that there's some semblance of of justice in society. So as believers, you know we long for for God to set all things right. Romans one tells us that creation is groaning. Like the earth, mm. the creation. I mean, literally, the earth is groaning for the Lord to set all things right because it was not created to be in an unjust environment, right? Yeah. So as as believers, that's what we long for. That is our hope. I think it's also important that we um, we realize like th that's our ultimate hope. 
so people who are who are rioting um, that the government fix this or that the institutional racism go away, all those things are good things, but that's not our ultimate hope. Um, rewriting a, a clear constitution or seeing more equality and equity among people groups, those are all beautiful things that we need to strive hard after, but that is not our ultimate hope. Our yeah. ultimate hope is that the just and right God will come will we'll return. He will set all things right. How? I, I don't know. How can he undo in a way, as uh, one theologian says, undo all the wrongs and make all things right again? I don't know. But that's his promise, um, and that's what we believe. Yeah, and, and that's that's an important thing to to point out, too, where our ultimate hope is. I was, I was preaching last Sunday on First mm-hmm. Peter and just talking yeah. about how, like, hey, even if the authorities above you are not perfect like Mm -hmm. us as followers of jesus us submitting to the authorities that he has placed over us is a way for us to say jesus i trust you and um, even when those authorities are not for our good i mean the peter was writing to a people who were being killed by a roman emperor Mm -hmm. and most uh, theologians would say that roman emperor was nero and so he's notorious for the way that he killed christians and Peter writes to them and says, hey, I'm asking you to submit to the authorities. Now, yes. there has to be a distinction, and, and maybe I said it on this podcast, I don't know, but um, where our ultimate allegiance is to God. So if the authorities above you say, um, we are commanding you to do something that God prohibits, or vice versa, we are prohibiting mm-hmm. you to do what God commands, then we say, okay, right. our ultimate authority is God. Like, we, we have to obey him above you then. And so... Right. Just important caveat there. But there there are going to be people who even see the title of this podcast, this episode. There are going to be people who maybe are listening right now who are rolling their eyes saying, okay, here we go. Another social justice warrior, another social justice mm-hmm. gospel. And so that mm-hmm. is the that's the distinction, though, what you said earlier, Rick, that mm-hmm. we are we pursue justice because God is a God of justice. Roman or Psalm 37, 28, for the Lord loves justice justice. And then Psalm 33, 5, he loves righteousness and justice. The the Lord delights in what is just. He delights in justice. He is a just God. And so we pursue justice in the same way he he delights in righteousness. Psalm 35, I just said, he loves righteousness and justice. So we pursue righteousness because he is a righteous God. He says, be holy for I'm holy. So these mm-hmm. attributes of him, we pursue because we're trying to be made more into the image of Jesus, who is these things perfectly. However, the difference between what we're saying here and the difference between the social justice gospel is that we are saying we pursue these things, but our ultimate hope is for when Christ returns and makes these things right perfectly. We recognize that we are not going to be able to do this perfectly. We're going to pursue it, but we're not going to be able right. to achieve it. Whereas the social justice gospel would say, we need to do everything we can to achieve it. And, and it, right. it, it's a, it can almost be a hairline difference, which is why a lot of people, Christians who are Orthodox, who know the gospel, embrace the gospel, proclaim the gospel, and try to live out the gospel, can be pointed at and, be, and said that you are preaching a social justice gospel. Because it, is, it can sometimes be a, a hairline difference, but it's important not to overlook injustices to avoid being called a social justice warrior. Yeah. Yeah. We we live in a, a culture in America as Christians and even 
even in the West, but mostly in America, where we and have been able to have clear distinctions, you know, yeah, uh, and and uh, you know, and things are they're just clear. This is this, and this, that's that. You know, there's and so talking from a missional perspective, you know, missi- missiologists, those who think deeply about global missions and fulfilling the Great Commission, you know, they talk about um, just cultural culture things and how do we you know the level of cultural barriers and and how how far can you go this is a good conversation that you know, needs to be had how, how far can you go and still maintain orthodox christianity but yet assimilate into other cultures mm-hmm. um and part of that like people just don't like that like it's just you know you have to be in a suit and tie on sunday up front from a pulpit um you know King James only, maybe hmm. it's not King, you know, but like that, you just kind of see that pattern. Like, well, it's that's the extreme, you know, pulpit, tie, King James only. Well, a few notches back, it's like, well, you don't have King James, of course, but you don't have a tie, but you better have a pulpit, right? Yeah. And a or you, you, or you, right, or you, you, you best at least have a, a good Sunday um, crowd. That's the that's the main thing. And so, you know, there's it kind of goes to the other spectrum as well. Yeah, and somewhere in there is is. You begin to cross a line, but it's hard to say where. And so this is where, as Christians and as uh, people who are called to fulfill the Great Commission, we need to kind of wrestle with it. Like, what does it mean if I take someone food because they're starving and I feed them and they're alive now and I didn't share the gospel compared to what if someone's starving and I do share the gospel and they die, but, they're, but they know Christ? And you know, Which those we are, talked those about are, that just an the, episode or two ago, right? And those are questions that people, not in America, but people have to really wrestle with. So, yeah, for us, um, it's also clear. It's also a help for us to distinguish secular humanism, which says that humanity is the answer. Enough education, enough resources, enough opportunity, and 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 humans will make better opportunities for themselves, and they will begin to build this this just better world eventually into a utopia hmm. and we would flatly say no like scripture does not point to that yeah if if scripture um if anything like that begins to resemble it's purely because the church is growing and that's um that's post-millennialism yeah. which isn't super popular but it's the idea that as the church grows the world will flourish and there's truth to that yeah. we we see some of that in our in our culture a, a little bit um but yeah it's a difficult thing so so he Here's something though. In this conversation, Rob, a lot of people you hear the mantra "Black Lives Matter." Yeah. And there's the official group "Black Lives Matter," and there's a lot of controversy around that, mm-hmm. right? But then there's just like the, the, just the principle, "Black Lives Matter," and people who are just saying, "Hey, listen, we need to we need to talk about how Black Lives Matter." So I don't. I'm not asking you about the the official organization, Rob, but just the mantra and the message "Black Lives Matter." And then there's people who say all lives matter, right? And it's like this kind of like back at you, trying to get back. Like, listen, of course, Black Lives Matter, but listen, all lives matter. Yeah. Are they wrong? Are they wrong in that? I mean, what's the right one? How do how do you how do you address that with when you hear that from people? Because yeah. I know we've talked about this. Yeah. Um. And I'm gonna tie it kind of into what you were saying earlier about um, like the world becoming a utopia. Like we we recognize that that it won't. Um, apart from Christ coming back. And again, like that's the difference between the social justice gospel and the true gospel. Like we pursue these things because 
Um, we are followers of Jesus, who is these things perfectly, but we do them for the glory of God, and we put our hope in his return. So that, I mean, that's the important distinction. So when people say um, Black Lives Matter, when people say all lives matter, we would nod and say, yeah, we agree. Of course. But then we put, however, um, under the all lives matter um, umbrella or banner, so let's, let's look at some of the distinctions of those lives. And we begin to recognize that black lives seem to be undergoing a higher degree of injustice than um, white lives or maybe Asian American lives or uh, Pacific Islander lives, whatever it is. And so, I mean, there's a, there's a cartoon that um, maybe most of you have have seen, but uh, Rick and I were talking about earlier. It's kind of funny that there's a, there's a house that's on fire and um, someone says, um, all houses matter. And so they go to each house in the neighborhood, one not, only one's on fire, but they go to each house in the neighborhood and put water on each house. And they're like, all, all houses right. matter. We're going to pour water right. on all houses because all houses matter. Well, there's one that's actually suffering pretty right. significantly more than the others. And so mm-hmm. it, the same, same principle applies. And, and that's obviously what they were tying it to is that, yeah, of course, of course, We'd be foolish to say, we'd be foolish to disagree with the notion that all lives Mm -hmm. matter. Of course they do, because all lives are made in the image of God. However, there is a particular group of lives, those who have black and brown skin, who seem to be treated with a higher degree of injustice in our part of the world than other lives. Mm-hmm. And so we recognize that as a wrong, we recognize that as an injustice, and we want to speak out against it because it's not honoring to God, and justice is honoring to God. And so to treat them um, equally would be more mm-hmm. God glorifying. So that's why we pursue that. So yeah, we agree with both of them, yeah. but there is, yeah. I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement deserves our attention mm-hmm. because right. they are suffering to higher degrees than other lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think it's, um, and I, I just want to transition for a minute and talk about our response to that, to, to Black Lives Matter, to the current, uh, what's going on. As, um, and I'm going to speak from my, from my cultural position as the white person, um, in a rural area where I feel like, I don't say the vast majority, but I, I think I can safely say the majority of people would, they just don't see it. They just don't see why, why do we have to have a special group for Black Lives Matter? Mm-hmm. Why, you know, they would say, okay, yeah, Black people have had definitely a bad um, experience and there's things, but, you know, we're still away from the Jim Crow laws where things are getting better. And they don't see the urgency and the need. And to to I want to just address that crowd for a minute for a moment, um, and and just say one, be very slow to begin to draw conclusions about um, a people group's experience that you have you have very little or almost no connection with. Hmm. I'm not saying you don't know black people. I'm not even saying you don't have, maybe have black or African American 
or friends of color. I'm just saying you have very little or none, no experience um, around that culture in that culture, except for what's been given to you through your education or through media. So just be very slow, drawing conclusions. This is a great time for us to reflect um, on that passage. I, I think, is it Luke 18? where there's the Pharisee and the tax collector. The tax collector is like, Lord, thank you that I'm not like that person. Hmm. And, the, and the Pharisee or the Pharisee says that the tax collector is just beating his chest saying, Lord, have mercy on me. And as a fallen people, I think we, we need to more regularly have a heart of lament and a heart of, of humility. Lord, if, if I have contributed to this, if I have, if there have been um, race, racist or, prejudiced thoughts or motives or anything in my heart, Lord, reveal that. Like, we should be searching our hearts, Lord, is there anything in me that um, is dishonoring my brothers and sisters and and ultimately dishonoring you? So that's one thing. Be slow in your response because you have not lived this experience. So be be slow in how you you think about it and drawing any conclusions. Yeah. Um, Two, I, I would just say that do not let the rioting and the looting become the main narrative in your conversations. No, just as most people unequivocally said, you know, what that police officer did was wrong. No one is standing up for him, right? And no one's really should be standing up for for the looters who are destroying and burning stuff down. No legitimate person's standing up for that either. Keep your keep the narrative of your conversations focused on the racial injustices in our culture. Don't don't get caught up in these other political. That's where the media is going to pull you. That's where just that's all low hanging fruit. People are just going to try to suck you into those conversations. Don't those are obvious. Yeah. The conversation needs to be surrounded about injustice in our culture and how we respond to that. And then um, I think as the the question then becomes how do we respond? Yeah. How do we as white people? Maybe you're in a mostly white area. How do we respond? And I'll just say a couple things and pray. Honestly, genuinely, I'm not talking about, you know, just throwing, lobbing something up there. I mean, devote time to prayer for the Lord to give you eyes to see, for humility, and be praying for your your, your uh, brothers and sisters of color who are going through a different experience than you. That's the most tangible way you can begin to have empathy for them is to be praying for them. Rob, I don't know if you have some practical steps people can take but yeah i mean you know, go ahead i mean there's like you know you can obviously you know share stuff on social media you can you can write your congressman there's things you can do like that but i think there's also some really valuable things you can do um something i've decided to do it and i was sharing this with rob earlier i'm not a, against any kind of social media uh, postings or anything like that but having remember the the conversations when Ferguson happened and all those things, Trayvon Martin and all that stuff happened. A lot of social media posts were happening, and I just decided this round I'm not going to post anything. So I've, I'm I'm not going to post any kind of thing about what's going on. Not because I don't care, not because I don't have thoughts, not because I'm just trying to like let the thing blow over. No, I want to have very direct, clear conversations with people. I want to be in a situation where I can say something and they are forced to respond and they are sharing something and I am forced to respond. Hmm, yeah. um, and so if you're posting stuff, great. Use your platform you have there if you have one. Um, but you for sure can have conversations with people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, if you did post something, don't feel bad about it. I posted stuff. So, um, yeah, sorry if I made you feel bad about no, that. No, yeah. 
yeah, I feel terrible. Um, but no, I, I like that approach, Rick. I really do because it just forces the conversation and there might be people who are willing to have a conversation with you because they didn't see you post something. And so they're like, oh, maybe mm -hmm. he's open-minded to this and then they have a conversation with you and find out where you actually stand. So, mm -hmm. but, but what you said earlier about not lumping the, um, the riots and the looting with the protesters, I think that's also something to point out because just a minute ago you said, um, don't let that become the focus of your conversation. Because it's so, yeah. so easy to look at these situations, Ahmaud Arbery, um, George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, and say, well, like, did they do something to deserve that? And mm. like, that, that's, that's not the question to ask. Yeah, we want to know all the facts, but for the Ahmaud Arbery case, for the George Floyd case, like for these, for these cases, it, most of the situation is caught on video. And it's very difficult to see how, mm -hmm. even if they were guilty of the worst presuppositions that people may have about that situation, mm -hmm. still didn't warrant the way that they were treated. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to the, the rioters and the looters, like we don't want to say, oh, we don't want to listen to these people because look what they're doing. And I mean, in the same way that Christians like, <laughs> so... I mean, this might offend somebody, but I, I with our listenership, I kind of doubt it. But like, as a Christian, it frustrates me to great lengths mm -hmm. when people point to Joel Osteen and to Kenneth Copeland and to Joyce Meyer or Paula White and say, that's why I won't become a Christian because I see Christians like that um, right. taking people's money. And, and, and I'm like, no, <laughs> no, please, please don't lump them in with us please don't right even though they say the name like i we're christians like and and ultimately i am not the judge i don't know maybe maybe i'll be surprised but here's the thing like don't lump the the rioters and the looters in with the peaceful protesters i mean these right. people are to the point where they are trying to do what they can to get their voices heard to bring attention to these situations and they are trying to peacefully protest i saw a video of um, a black girl with a megaphone going to a store where people were smashing windows and stealing things. And she was on the megaphone, like begging them to stop. She's saying, yeah. please stop. You're hurting the cause. Please stop. Everybody stop. And mm -hmm. they just ignored her. And it, that's mm -hmm. tough to see because then, because then, then them as the protesters who are doing this peacefully, how much more hopeless do you feel? Like, man, like we can't do right. anything to get their attention. We try to do this peacefully and people who claim to be on our side ruin it for us. And then when we try to trust right. the system, this happens with George Floyd. Like, it, don't lump the rioters and the mm -hmm. looters in with those who are peacefully protesting. But practical advice, that would be one thing. Prayer for sure, like you said. Um, there are ways to peacefully protest, whether that's in your city, whether that's on social media, whether that is um, donating to uh, a cause that is going about this the right way. I mean, you can you can actively be involved with this in multiple different ways um, and would encourage you to. And it would also encourage you to have, have calm conversations with people. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. good to have conversations, even if you disagree. Um, mm -hmm. Be patient. Try to try to think through if you if you are on a completely different side of the aisle as somebody um, heard this from someone else, but just ask how are they right and how are they wrong? What part of their mm -hmm. argument, even though I disagree with it, what part of their argument can I sympathize with, and where do I disagree? That that can be helpful just to promote conversation. 
Um, but ultimately, go to the Lord in prayer, beg for him to bring about justice, and have your hope be rooted in his return. Amen. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot we could say. There's a lot more to say in some ways. You feel like you've already, I've already said too much. Um, yeah. but I, I, I don't know what else you have, Rob. Nothing. Um, I, I just would say that as believers in America, the issue before us right now that we can give our attention to, um, is the issue of injustice with, with racial injustices. We still need to continue our great efforts to end abortion. It doesn't yeah. go away. Um, I think there, we need to be consistent people. So the other thing I was going to say, though, this is just one thing, right? The racial injustice. As Christians, our Lord and Savior is the just creator, and he will bring about justice. And we are his... Um, ambassadors on earth right and so we need to be people who pursue justice and seek justice so 2020 the issue is racial injustice and in a sense that will always be around no matter what culture you're in but even hopefully as things get better and um we we overcome this issue as a culture there will be another injustice that we need to turn our attention to and we need to fight for and we need to deal with so so don't see this as um, just this one thing. This, this is the one thing that we as Christians know. There's, there will always be injustice, and we need to be the, the voice. We need to be the ones pointing it out and fighting for justice. Um, and it will be that way until Christ comes home. Yeah. Until Christ brings us home. Yeah. No. You are absolutely right. Well, guys, um, we're gonna we're gonna sign off here, and we're not gonna do like the typical how you can stay in touch with us, but but we do actually want to to thank um, the Christian Standard Bible. Um, they are they're sponsoring um, our episodes here for a little bit for the time being, and and for those of you who are looking for a a good, accurate, readable, shareable translation of the Bible, we would encourage you to check out. The Christian Standard Bible. Ultimately, during this time, we need to be directed by the Word of God, and you can't be directed by the Word of God in a helpful way if you don't understand what the Word says. And one of the things that we love about the Christian Standard Bible is that it it's accurate. It's it flows really nicely when you read it, and you can hand it to somebody and say, "Hey, check out this passage," or "Check out," and just read this book. Ask me if you have any questions, and they can understand it because it's it's written in a way, or it's translated, I should say, in a way that is is accurate to the original transcripts, the Greek, the Aramaic, the Hebrew, but is written in today's language. So it's yeah. easier for um, anyone to understand. So would encourage you to to pick up a copy if you haven't. Um, but but guys, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Um, a little bit more sober than what is typical. However, um, I think rightfully so. So appreciate you guys. Love you all. Have a great week.